since Dabo Swinney is the top head coach in the ACC, who are the four that rounds up the top five? I'll tell you next on the Locked On Clemson Podcast. You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Clemson family? Welcome back to the Locked On Clemson Podcast, your daily podcast covering your Clemson Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your boy, Damian Parson, always on the ones and twos. You can find and follow me on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. I'm a national scout over with the Draft Network, as well as part of the co-host team of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Guys, as always, thank y'all for making Locked On Clemson your first listen today and every single day, Monday through Friday, whenever I drop these episodes. Appreciate all the love and support. Continue to go subscribe and, for, subscribe and follow for free wherever you listen to podcasts, whether on YouTube or the audio version. Guys, we have another great show. We're going to break down uh, the ACC head coaching rankings via my uh, my colleague my colleagues over at Locked On ACC. They dropped their top five of the head coaches in the ACC. I'm going to go ahead and rank. We're going to rank them and we're going to talk about it, guys. Taj Boyd drafted too soon, ahead of his time. I'm going to get into that discussion. I can't wait for that. And on the proud four star defensive lineman, 2024 class recruit that has committed. He committed a couple months ago, but just now really getting into his game and what he brings to this defensive line but guys let's get into it let's go ahead and kick it off we already know right we know who's number one that is Dabo Sweeney right national titles playoff appearances been dominant for 15 years in this in in this uh in this conference and everything so that is to be expected but it's the question is who are the other four guys behind them right like who are the other four talented Head coaches that just need to be talked about, right? And why is there anybody that has a chance to shorten the gap, right? Between the separation between Dabo and the rest of the field. Can someone come out of the pack from the field and catch Dabo Sweeney? Let's get into the locked on ACC's top five ACC head coaches, guys. I'm gonna show it to you now. Uh, here's the list, of course, number one. Dabo Sweeney, number two, Mike Norvell from Florida State, number three, Dave Clawson from Wake Forest, number four, Mac Brown from North Carolina, and number five, number five, Pat Narduzzi from Pitt. Guys, look at this list here, man, and I'm going to tell you something. What stood out to me is I love – I'm, I'm going to tell you what I really love. Of course, Dabo being number one, I think that that's that's 100% fair. This doesn't – like when I thought about – when I was you know going through this myself – and, my, and I was thinking and writing down the names and just kind of surveying this this top five myself. I was like, man, this is not easy because I can have a I can make a case that Mac Brown should be a little bit higher. Right. Um, you know, Pat Narduzzi, you know, he I think he is right where he needs to be right at five. I think he, he's a really he's a really talented head coach. Mike Norvell, I love him being at number two. Uh, now, this is going to be a proven year for Mike Norvell. Like you got a lot of talent now. You got to go out here and handle business. Can you knock off Dabo Sweeney, you know, in the season, right? I think it's like week four, week five. They come to Death Valley. They come to, to Clemson, South Carolina to face those Tigers. Can they handle their business? And and, and with the, with Dave Clawson, I think that isn't – this should be discussed. Dave Clawson, they don't they don't receive or, or bring in a lot of high-ranking recruits, right? 
But one thing I give him credit for, guys, is the simple fact that what does he have in his bag? That slow, that deep, slow mesh offense that they run at Wake Forest, it gives it gives defenses problems because it's so hard to really gauge and it, it, it create it creates so much stress from a, a technical standpoint, from a discipline standpoint, from a patient standpoint defensively because you, linebackers are taught to be slow until you know in terms of reading the run game and, and, and diagnosing. So don't shoot gaps. Don't just attack downhill. You want to wait and make sure that the running back has the ball and then uh, then, then you fill your run lanes. Well, in this slow, that slow deep mesh offense, it is a little more difficult to do that because the quarterback, as we've seen with Sam Hartman and Jamie Newman over the years, they'll ride that mesh point right into the line of scrimmage, pull it out, and then throw an RPO. So that deep, slow mesh RPO offense is, is a little bit of a headache. And, and shout out to Dave Clawson for, for implementing that because it is to me it is important. I, I absolutely uh, believe that it's a big part of that. And like I said, Matt Brown has a chance in, in a case to where he could probably possibly be ahead of, ahead of Dave Clawson. You know, dare I say he could have a, he could have a shot at being over Mike Norvell too. And, and, and I look at it from this aspect. He's done it with two different style quarterbacks. Sam Howell, who went fifth, who was a fifth round pick for whatever reason, uh, in the 2022 NFL draft class, right? And then last year, uh, you know, with Drake May, a lot of people didn't know it was going to be him, Jacoby Chris, Chriswell, didn't know who was going to be the quarterback. And they were at their offense was legitimate. And Matt Brown did a great job getting that young man, Drake May, ready and prepared to play and, and doing what was best around him and what he needed. Uh, from his from his head ball coach, so and, and to and they were in the ACC championship game. Not Mike Norvell, not Florida State. It was Mac Brown. It was Mac Brown and coming. And they don't. They're not like tightly strapped or loaded with like five, four or five star talented kids in terms of what they've proven at the college level. But at the same time, they are very very uh, talented. And, and again, I think just for me guys, you know, so you can see. This mug again, this face. Um, you know, I've let you see the graphic a little, a little bit long. So, I mean, I think again, Mac Brown has a shot. Is there anyone that can cheat that, that's that's in pursuit? Because right now, it, for for a long time, it's been dabble versus the field. Let's keep this one hundred, right? You know, I talked about a couple episodes ago how, uh, you know, I think it was either CBS Sports. I can't remember exactly who what publication it was. I think it was CBS Sports. Dab Dabo uh, labeled Dabo as the uh, QB development, the best QB developing head coach uh, or coach in the ACC, right? Trevor Lawrence, Taj Boyd, who we're going to get into in a little bit, uh, Deshaun Watson, right? You know, the spurts of, of what we saw with DJU, all of that good stuff, right? Now he's got another opportunity to to stake that claim and, and, label, and, and plant that flag in the ground and say, no, that's 100%. That's what I am with a young first-year starter in K. Klubnik. So, um, you know, he's already been labeled as the best QB developer, and he's had some of the best QBs in the conference. Now, so who is there anybody that can catch him for the actual head coach, like the top head coach spot? And I would say it's tough, it's absolutely tough. But I'm gonna say this if anybody that the, the two names I have, and it's because I think that they can be the most, um, what's the term, the most competitive. Is Mike Norvell and Mac Brown, but there's only one way that you're going to knock Dabo off of that perch. You got to actually knock him off of that perch, that mountaintop, right? He climbed Mount Everest and he's just sitting up there, 
just looking down because he can't see nobody else. You have to come. You have to climb up into his purview, into his vision. You got to grab him by the angle and you got to pull him off that mountain, man. Because unless you do that, you're not going to. He doesn't even see you, like you know. And and, and no one views none of these coaches' resume big enough or strong enough. Fifteen years, he's been dominant in this conference, man. So I think that's the big thing. Is like. You look at Mac Brown getting if you can get back to the ACC championship with no Josh Downs, no Antoine Green, you know what I mean, and and and, and the different receivers that no one knows about in North Carolina, like Nate McCullum from Georgia Tech and some of these other guys that they have, can you go out there and win this conference? Can you can you get you and Drake May, Mac Brown and Drake May lead this team, who didn't have a great defense last year or anything like that? Can you lead this team? To the promised land, we will find out. But the other, the other name is Mike Norvell. All the talent you won the. Let me tell you what Mike Norvell did. Mike, Mike Norvell didn't just win the transfer portal, right? Getting guys, in the, getting guys to come over to Florida State. Jaheim Bell, Keon Coleman from Michigan State. But what he also did was very, very simple. He also went back to recruiting, getting Jared Verse and Jordan Travis to come back and Johnny Wilson to return, right? Robert Scott, who's his left tackle, to come back for another year. Fabian Lovett, I think, is his defensive tackle. The, the guys on their defense, right? All these players that they needed to come back came back, as well as going into the, in the portal and getting two high-octane offensive weapons as well. So if, those are the two names, Dave Clawson. I think it's too much of an uphill battle. They have to win recruiting, and they have to beat Clemson out for recruiting and to really turn these recruits into stars in this conference. Pat Narduzzi, he's got to find another quarterback, right? He, he went five years, I think, four or five years with Kenny Pickett until Kenny Pickett actually became something, right? You know, uh, and he's trying a lot of reclamation projects, Phil Dracovic and stuff like that. It's just he's got to find a quarterback. So nonetheless, guys, Dabo is number one. It's Dabo versus the field. In the in, in terms of the, the 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 top coaches in the ACC, can these guys catch up to Dabo Sweeney? We'll find out as the season once we get into the twenty twenty three college football season, and uh, once once it ends, and see who's in the ACC, uh, and see who will dominate the ACC rather. But you want to talk about dominating the ACC? Let's talk about a Clemson, former Clemson quarterback and a player development coach on the on the staff in Taj Boyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was dominant, guys. Absolutely dominant when he played. So, what are my thoughts? He was drafted too soon. We're going to discuss. I'm going to, I'm going to break it down and discuss it to you and tell you about it coming up next. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200. You can spend betting on everything from month from the money line to the over, under to who you think is going to be the first to hit the first home run, whatever. All of this on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get your money instantly. Why? Because it's your money and you want your money now. So there's no better place to bet on all the MLB action than FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. So sign up today. And visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. Taj Boyd. Guys, you want to talk about it? And I told you, as I was um, going to bring this up, I was going to have this discussion with you guys. 
because as an NFL draft analyst and, and, and the guy that's tasked and, and lucky enough to talk to you every day when I do uh, do these episodes, man, for the, for the, for the Clemson Tigers, one of my favorite Clemson Tigers is, you know, of all time is Taj Boyd. You know, the two, his run from 2011 to 2013, over 38,000, over 3,800 passing yards in each of those seasons. In, in, in those three years as, as a full-time starter, right? Taj Boyd threw for over 100 touchdowns. I believe it was 103 to just 30, what? The 36 interceptions, right? But not only that, like you watch the, the the completion percentage went up from his sophomore year in 2011 at 59.7, basically 60%, to 67 in, in 2012, and 68, almost 69% in 2013. And his yards per attempt went up each each uh, year too because it was 7.7, uh, almost 8 yards per attempt in 2011, 9.1, and then 9.3. And this is just, and then you look at what he brought. He, he was a running threat as well. Guys, in three years, the man had 25 rushing touchdowns. Now, I'm not saying that he was out there on the Anthony Richardson, Lamar Jackson type of plan where he's running for 1,000 yards or anything like that. But, you know, 514 yards rushing in 2012, 400, uh, you know, rushing yards in 2013. You got to remember that college takes away rush yards for sacks. One of the dumbest – can you want to talk about this? Can I just mention one of the dumbest rules in college football? I never understand it. I don't like that rule that, hey, if, if if my right tackle gets beat and I get sacked for eight yards, that goes against the quarterbacks and the team's rushing yards. It's not a running play. It's a sack. It's called a sack because it's a passing play, okay? If I'm running the ball, then yes, and I lose eight yards. It's, okay, I don't want to go to tangent, but I just wanted to, to mention that. So when you look at the yards, yes, yards aren't like high level or, or, or you know high ranking in terms of how much he had per season or even his average. But remember, being sacked does take some of that away as well. So when you look at him, and not just that, but guys, in 2012, he was the ACC Offensive Player of the Year, ACC Player of the Year, right? Uh, I think it was 2011, 2012, he was the ACC Championship Game MVP. So when I say, it, it, was he drafted too soon? Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you one of the things I've, I truly believe may have it may have hurt his draft stock. Well, first, when you looked at his game, like I said, not just the, the numbers, but just when you watched him, he was a baller, accurate. He threw a tight spiral, very catchable ball. He can attack all three levels, right? He was able to make plays with his legs, play action game. He played with a confidence, with a poise, with a calmness that you want from your quarterback. Man, he, he just was... Before his time, but I'm gonna tell you, like accurate ball placement, timing thrower when he, you know, when he needed to be, all of the he being able to win in structure and win out of structure. Yes, he had a lot of weapons: Martavis Bryant, Sharon Peak, DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy. Well, he had a lot of weapons, but at the same time, he put those guys in positions. Man, he was an absolute stud, bro. And, and when you think about, okay, so DP, when you say he he was drafted too soon. Well, you look at what the, the NFL is now. They're looking for guys like this, right? I, and, and I'm gonna tell you, we just watched a five foot ten, five foot eleven. He's 180 pounds. You know, quarterback go number one overall. I'm Bryce Young, right? That wouldn't have happened in 2013, 2014. It would not have happened. Bryce would have not been the first overall pick. It just would not. Because when you look at where 
Taj Boyd was listed six foot even, 224, 222, almost 225 pounds, mobile, good arm, accurate, good decision maker. This man was drafting the sixth round to the New York Jets. That's already a kiss of death uh, in itself. But the point is, it's a simple fact that he was drafted before his time. Because you think about the influx of RPO, the influx of the zone, the QB keeper, zone read, QB power game, QB counter, all that type of stuff like that, to QB, uh, QB uh, sweeps and everything. The, 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 the way the running game with the quarterback has evolved in today's NFL, you can't tell me Taj wouldn't have taken advantage of that. You can't tell me that Taj boy wouldn't have had an outstanding career or, or, or at least a chance to really – like showcase his skills like that, like come on. I'm not saying he should have been a, a first overall pick like Bryce Young. Heck, I didn't. I'm be honest. I didn't believe Bryce Young should have been the first overall pick, and I really like Bryce. But when I look at Taj Boyd back then, being a, they were the NFL was still kind of archaic in 2013. This was what a decade ago. Remember this now. This is a decade ago. So the they. I, I, I'll tell you something, guys. Like. Coaches and, and, and scouts in the league that have done this for a long time. They were, you know, I always, I always never, I will never forget this. I always remember the um, the phrase or the term that they would tell me is like the end. The college football is typically three to five years. I think it's three to five years behind high school, but and then the NFL is about five to seven years behind college, but the NFL is seven to ten years behind the behind high school in terms of offensive concepts and creativity. And and you see that. We we've seen the things that we're seeing in the NFL now, the remember it's the Wildcat and all this stuff, stuff like that. Man, they were already doing it in high school. They were already doing it in high school way before that. Right? The RPO, that's been in high school too. The spread offenses, that was in high school as well. <laughs> like because high school coaches have to understand Okay, I, it's not a level playing field. We don't always have the best athletes. Every school doesn't have five stars that are, you know what I mean, defensive ends. There are 6'6", 260 pounds already as a senior at 17 years old. That's not always the case. So you have to find ways, as I talked about in, in the first segment with Dave Clawson from Wake Forest, find ways to stress defenses. Say, yes, you might be more talented than me, but I'm going to make sure that you play with – that you have to play with your eyes and your mind, and I want you thinking and not reacting, and that's what that slow mesh offense does for them. It, it gives them a fighting chance. So evolving offensively in high school gives your team a, a fighting chance against some of these high-power, high-octane teams in, in high school teams that have all these – high-level recruits and all that type of stuff. So the NFL in itself, they are typically slow to the party. They're late to the party, right? The NFL will show up to a 2000s party just like the 90s, right? And and that's just what it is. So, like, they're behind. So that's why I believe that Taj Boyd 100% like would be would have been a better player. He would he would have gotten on the field in today's NFL. Nathan Peterman got on the field in today's NFL. Okay? Like we've seen RG3 ball out. We've seen Lamar Jackson. We've seen Colin Kaepernick. We've seen Johnny Manziel start games. There's no way you're telling me that Taj Boyd would have not gotten the opportunity in the last five to seven years if he was just a couple years later. 
No, nah, he would have. He would have. He 100 would have. So that's I'm telling you, I'm passionate about it because I, I loved his game. He was one of my favorite players watching him ball out at Clemson. And I thought he was going to get a real shot, but he didn't. No, like I said, there was you know, you, there are sticklers in the league that still think archaic when it comes down to the the hey man, you gotta be six two at least. Right, you gotta, you know, you gotta have the rocket, rocket arm. You gotta have Josh Allen arm out there. That hose. Everybody doesn't have that, right? If you can play, you can play. I'm watching Mac Jones from Alabama start games. I'm watching Bailey Zappi get drafted in the fourth round and start games and have Patriot fans chanting for Bailey Zappi. Point is, Taj Boyd deserved the chance. He was just drafted too soon. So I got that off my chest. You know, I, mean, I got it off my chest. I want to talk to y'all about it because I really felt passionate about that, guys. But you know what I'm also passionate about? Recruiting on the prowl. We're, we're passionate about that here on the Locked On Clemson podcast. So we're going to get into a four-star 2024 defensive lineman that committed back in about April to your Clemson Tigers. I'm, talk- I'm going to read off a Scott report and tell you about this game coming up next. On the prowl, ladies and gentlemen, Heaven Brown, I think that's how you pronounce it. Heaven, H E V I N, instead of like you think about Devin, D E V I N, Heaven Brown Schuler, defensive lineman, four star, consensus four star from one.com, 24 7 sports, ESPN, and rivals.com. Listed at six, two and a half, 300 pounds from Pace Academy, Atlanta, Georgia. He committed a couple months ago to your Clemson Tigers. Right, he he committed there, and this is a young man that has earned multiple All American honors. Uh, even going back to his freshman year, when he was named a Max ma- named as a Max Preps freshman All American. Uh, you know, his head coach says that he's the ultimate team player. He commands double teams almost every play and makes everyone's jobs easier. I want y'all to remember this phrase. It's it's, it's my it's family and his fans remember this phrase. The one phrase in in, in sports I absolutely hate is when they say, "Man." That player makes makes the, the teammates around him better on the field. That's a lie. That's not actually true. What it does is he makes his, his everybody else's job easier. You see how that coach put that in there? I, I love this. Let's keep going. Uh, because it takes extra bodies to attempt to slow Brown Schuler down away from football. He enjoys spending time with his family. He likes to cook, travel, and learn new things. Uh, you know, he, he's a lean steak guy. Garlic mashed potatoes. I remember that. And he plans on majoring in business, information, technology, or engineering as well. And then when you look at, you know, his actual, like I said, six, six, two and a half, 300 pounds. You know what? That's about the same measurements of Tyler Davis. Uh, one of our, uh, one of our star defensive linemen, defensive tackles. So that's about his, and he, this is a high school kid that's, you know, going into his senior year. So he's already, you know, he's, he's already around the same body type as a Tyler Davis. Hopefully the other, you know, you guys see what his arm length comes out to be, but like he does from his athletic background, um, he's a shot putter um, in, in track and field. Uh, he threw 36 and four, 30, 36, four in the shot, but you know, during his junior season. Uh, and this is a young man that does a lot of different things. And, and just looking at the scouting report, why, you know, Andrew Evans, Evans from uh, 24 seven sports, his director of scouting over there, wrote up the, the a blurb, on his actual on Heaven Schuler Brown Schuler's uh, skill set, and he talked about the fact that he's a wide frame space eater that can battle for gaps on the inside. Burst, you know, he you know talking about him coming onto the scene, bursting onto the scene as a youngster. Uh, he's been an impact player on the varsity level ever since. 
uh, and he plays for one of Atlanta's top private schools. Uh, they don't have the measurements verified yet, but he's a surprising has some surprising bend for an individual with his build and size as he consistently finds uh, leverage and gets up and underneath blockers. Not the longest or most twitched-up interior player, but can offer some value as a pass rusher in certain situations and has plenty of experience working out of multiple techniques in a variety of different fronts. Keep that in mind. Overall, should be viewed as a power-based defensive lineman that can clog up run lanes and let linebackers get to the ball is already pretty burly and thick through the lower body, but likely still to go through physical transformation of sorts once at the college of his choice, which is the Clemson Tigers, as he continues to improve his play strength. Now, guys, that's what you want to hear. You want to hear those type of things that this young man is that, you know, he, he's going to bring that ability to handle gaps, right, to gap, play some nose tackle, and, and especially he's already 6'2 and a half, 300, and this is as a going into his senior year of high school. I'm expecting this kid. This kid could probably balloon up a little bit to 315 and be a true uh, college football and NFL draft prospect at the nose tackle position. And all he has to do is continue to make sure that, you know, to, to get that three down value. If he if you can isolate him in single gaps and get him vertical, uh, you want to see if he can he, if he can get back there and collapse the pocket in the lap in the face of the quarterback quickly. So I think that's a big thing. So with uh, Heaven Brown Schuler, I'm excited to see how this this senior year goes for this young man. Talented, big body, wide frame, as they talked about. He's already 6'2 and a half, 300, and he's powerful, strong, through the, through the whole body. You see some guys who are top-heavy, where, yeah, they upper body, they can bench press guys and, and, and stack guys, but they don't have the lower body to anchor in the run game and different things of that nature. But he does that, and he brings that to the table. So, guys, I'm telling you right now, this, this, this young man is uh, committed. And he's on his way after his his, his uh, senior season. He's on his way and coming to Death Valley. And that's going to help whoever's at linebacker over these next couple of years from 2024 on forward. Uh, a big guy like that that can keep his, his linebackers clean and eat up space and eat up blocks. Man, you got to love it. I always talk about that, guys. I always talk about it with Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Charter Jr., all those guys. You want to have a defensive line that can keep those offensive linemen in the trenches and not exiting upfield to grab hold of and pick off your kind of undersized linebackers. Even though they're physical and athletic, you still want to keep those guys clean to allow their physicality and athleticism to shine in open field. But, guys, you talking about shining, man, I felt like this show shined. Guys, uh, guys I think this show was a shining star today. But I tell you, listen. Go subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get the latest episode as soon as it is available. Thank you all for making Locked On Clemson your first listen today and every single day, Monday through Friday. I appreciate all the love and support. On tomorrow's show, we're going to rank the top running backs in the ACC. We're going to see where does Phil Moffa and Will Shipley fall amongst their colleagues and, and, and their counterparts in this conference, guys. Uh, as always, that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Of course, some more on the prowl. In terms of Twitter, you can find and follow me, DP underscore NFL. So, you know, talk to me because I talk back, guys, all right? Let's do that for me for sure. But as always, guys, come and join the conversation again tomorrow on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go tight.